I go speak at a school and they see you in your gi with your black belt and they're like, wow. And, and you get their attention. Now what you say and how you say it, how you define it, how it lands on them, what comes out of your mouth, what comes from your heart out of your mouth is really what's most important. And, you know, even with the athletes I work with, taking the athlete mindset, which is an honor and a privilege, and I remind them of that, the fighter mindset, the, the competitive, fierce, ferocious mindset that flips the switch when it's time to compete. I'm not making friends. You know, like I'm, I'm saying all kinds, I'm, I'm saying whatever it takes in my own life to, to get through you. And I am not friendly about it. But then off the mat, I'm a businesswoman. Like that's just how it's going to be. So it's like taking all those things and, and the mother mindset, that nurturing, compassionate mindset and marrying those things together has put me where I'm at. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. You know, sometimes life has a funny way of happening and there's some strange synchronicities. The first time I heard the name Danielle Martin, that's the voice you heard right at the beginning. The first time I heard the name Danielle Martin was in the fall of 2019. I'm doing a little bit of work at uh, 1RM Studio, 1RM Performance. 1RM Performance is a high-level strength and conditioning studio here in San Diego. It's owned by Bobby Congleton and Melissa Myers, two old friends of mine. And Bobby and Melissa are doing a phenomenal job. Melissa especially is in volleyball, softball, and basketball. She trains at, at 1RM. She primarily trains volleyball and, and softball players. Bobby especially is baseball. He also trains up football players as well. And Bobby, here's interesting. Both Bobby and Melissa went to school at San Diego State a number of years ago. That's when I met them. And they have done a phenomenal job of growing their business and they now train a number of the students that they trained over the years. They started out, they, they focused primarily on teen athletes. But now, guess what's happened? A number of athletes have gone on to college, have earned scholarships. Bobby is training a number of kids, a number of guys, men now, playing professional baseball. If you've seen me post on my, on my Instagram page, Pete McCall underscore fitness, if you see me posting workouts at 1RM, you see a number of hats on the wall. All those hats represent the teams that their high school athletes have gone on to college teams, professional teams. It is really, 1RM really is becoming a, a training mecca here in San Diego. I'm just hanging out there. I'm doing a little bit of work there. I'm training a couple clients there. I'm working out there because it really, you know, it, it's a fun place to work out and it's such a fun environment. The first time I heard the name Danielle Martin was in the fall of 2019. She was going to be doing a mindset, kind of a high performance mindset talk for a number of Bobby's athletes, of Bobby and Melissa's athletes. And I had it in my schedule. Um, embarrassed to say I overslept, though, and I, I missed the talk. Plus, I live in Carlsbad, and it's there down in Sorrento Valley. And if anybody knows San Diego traffic, trying to get down there for 6 o'clock. Anyway, that is not a high-performance mindset. And I'm kind of telling on myself here because as you're going to hear in this, hear in this interview, Danielle really is. You know, A couple of months later, I bumped into her at a match for the San Diego Legion. San Diego Legion is the local professional major league rugby team here in San Diego. It was a it was a scrimmage match. It was actually early in the year, a scrimmage match. They were scrimmaging, whatever team they were scrimmaging. But I went down there with one of the guys I coach high school rugby with, and he introduced me to this woman. I thought she was a cop. I honestly thought she was an off-duty cop because of her stature, because of the way she carried herself. And she introduced herself, and when she said, Danielle, I kind of looked at her, and I asked Danielle Martin, and it was the woman who, whose talk I missed at, at, at the 1RM. Well, Danielle 
has a very unique background. She has a world championship. She's a black belt in jiu-jitsu and has a world championship in jiu-jitsu. She was a Division I college athlete. She was a professional surfer. She's been on TV. She's been a cover model of magazines. And really, as you'll hear in today's interview, none of those things would have been possible without a positive mindset. You know, if you think about it, if you think about the people who achieve the top 1% in their field, whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether whatever it's doing, the people who achieve the top 1% have one thing in common, mindset. They take an approach. Number one, most of these people are very humble. They understand that, that even though they might be very successful, they have more yet to learn, so they're constantly learning. You know, that's one thing you see, you know, I, I'm impressed by when, you, when, I see, when I see athletes such as quarterback Drew Brees, always looking to learn, always looking to get better. You know, when you see athletes always, you know, there's stories, you, you know, with the passing of Kobe Bryant, you hear these stories about how he always wanted to get, the Japanese call it Kaizen. Kaizen is that art of improving 1% at a time. Top level performers like Kobe, like Danielle Martin, like top athletes have the same thread. They are always looking to get just 1% better. That's what I want you to listen to on this episode, is I want you to listen to what Danielle has done to achieve success in her life. And we, catch, we, we jump right into it. This is one of those conversations where I catch up with her on the phone. I was, we were trying to schedule things, and I was able to catch up with her on the phone, so I recorded this on my cell phone. And so you kind of pick up right in the middle of the conversation. And what's amazing about her is she's had a, she's had a few... I'll say challenges. She's had a few obstacles thrown in her life in the last couple of years, yet she doesn't let that slow her down. You know, she talks about how her background in sports has helped cha- has helped train her to overcome any challenges. So we're going to jump right into it. Talking with Danielle Martin, performer, professional athlete, world champion, black belt jujitsu competitor, and just all around terrific person. Uh, yes, I empower little girls because. It's easy to be a big girl, but we remember there's a little girl on the inside right there that, you know, I grew up with a lot of adversity, didn't learn boundaries at a young age, and it came back to bite me in my 30s, which, who knew? You know, I came out of high school and had the best life, pro surfing, modeling. I was around like-minded people, so I was just always up, 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 and never felt my past come and bite me until later when I was isolated from my people. Moved to LA to San Diego, gave up my career for my kid's dad, raised kids, lived here by myself, was kind of like, you know, I miss being an athlete. What can I go do? And rolled in jujitsu thinking, oh my God, this is awesome. Became a world champ, competed in absolutely everything they had available to compete in, won it, felt alive again. And then I had, you know, I was just vulnerable to this monster with no tools and how to handle him and deal with him. Didn't, didn't know my worth, didn't know my value, didn't feel good enough so many times on the inside and on the outside. It's hard because you know, you're on a cover of a magazine, you got, you're winning, you're world champion, you're athlete in another sport, D1 college athlete. Everybody thinks like your life's perfect. You know, they don't understand. And that's why you just never know what someone else knows, I mean, is going through. And you never know, you know, what, where their weaknesses lie. And even I didn't know. I didn't understand. It took me a, a, like being dropped on my head from a skyscraper a couple times to wake up and go, this is real. This is real no, life. No. And there's a lot of... I, I'm sorry, sorry to cut in there, Danielle, but I just want to make sure that, that, that we clarify it's a metaphorical skyscraper that you did. I don't think you're literally dropped uh, dropped on your head from a skyscraper, were you? No, but it no. felt like it, <laughs> yeah, it took no, that to get me to recognize the importance of self-worth, um, and, you know, self-confidence. What was that? 
I didn't even know what that was. You hear those words and you think you are that. But I ask big leaguers all the time, what makes you confident? And usually they answer me with tears. I don't know. Confidence is when you, I said, no, what makes you confident? What stresses you out? And they're in tears. And these are people who are making millions of dollars and everybody thinks their life's perfect and they have nowhere to be that person. They have nowhere to dig to get out of their own way to then having the improvement curve in their sport. And it's in the two go hand in hand. Being an athlete is extremely emotional. And not a lot of people realize that. It's not just, hey, be an aggressive hitter. Did you ever turn to the coach and go, how do I do that? What does that mean? No, nobody questions them. And they themselves usually don't know how to explain it. It's just crazy. Like my method to my madness comes from a very opposite end um, when it comes to the mental skills. Because it's not about, you know, being strong and strong and stronger and being better at what we're good at. It's about understanding what our weaknesses are and strengthening those. Therefore, strengthening our, our strengths, turning our weaknesses into strengths on a mental, emotional, and physical level. Well, I was just about to ask, how powerful is that? Because I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of people will skip over their weaknesses or not want to take time to identify weaknesses. But how powerful is it to be able to take a moment and look at, okay, these are my weaknesses, and, and acknowledge them? A lot of people aren't comfortable doing it, but like jujitsu, you need to learn quickly if you want to be good to get to be comfortably uncomfortable. And a lot of people just aren't willing. That's why you have one percenters and then you have the rest of society, which is the bottom two thirds. So if you're one percenters and then you have one percenters wanting to be the one percent, and then you have you walk out your door and the average person is the bottom two thirds of society. They're happy to be to be there, um, and you have it in in pro sports. You get to pro sports, let's say MLB. And you have the guys like Mike Trout, you have the Albert Pujols, you have the Trevor Story, you have the people wanting to be the 1% of the 1%, fighting to be that. And then you have the guys that are just happy to be there, playing Fortnite before they start go out and start pitching, um, doing different things that don't solicit, I want to be the best. So it's like you have the bottom two-thirds of that too. So the B3s and the one percenters, and, and it's, it is important. Everything's important if you choose for it to be, but it's an individual thing. It's what's important to you. What choices are you going to make? What, what discipline level do you have? How consistent are you? Is it sustainable what you're doing? Are you organized? Are you resilient? Do you even know what all these things mean? So there's a lot of work to be done when you step in and you say, I want to be the best. When someone comes to me and says, I want to be the best, I don't take I ask them some really important questions, some really vulnerable questions, and then I explain to them, vulnerability will be a superpower for you. If you can be comfortably uncomfortable, but not a lot of people are willing to sit down and go, this is my weakness. If I'm a pitcher and I'm like, okay, um, I'm real comfortable with this pitch, but not this one. Am I willing to go take that pitch and just work on it and really like be fascinated by that pitch and really practice it and know where it goes and be willing to fail? People that don't, aren't willing to fail or learn or whatever, that is failing. And people don't see it like that. They want to play it safe. They want to be good enough. They're fine with it. It's, but, you know, at a certain point, the competition level is going to rise past you. And then people's expectations keep rising and their standards lower. When, that, when those two columns are offset like that, you've got a problem. You should focus on raising your standards, lowering your expectations, not playing to the expectations of coaches, exceeding those expectations by raising your standards. Those things are real, and they will really happen. But weaknesses, that's a big thing with me and my players and, and my clients is let's find and identify your weaknesses. 
Let's identify your weaknesses emotionally even. Let's go there now. You know, when they admit it on the performance level, they're more comfortable talking about that. Oh, I don't, you know, I'm not good at hitting the outside pitcher. I'm, you know, I get 3-1 on the mound and I panic. I don't know what to do. I start thinking about don't walk him. Well, if you've ever ridden a dirt bike and you see a rut and you're like, I don't want to go there and you look at it, your front tire is going to be in the rut before you know it. You're going to be over the handlebars. You know, it's like... Well, I was going to break in real quick, and, and because you obviously, you know, you've done a great job as a performance coach. And what was your? Because you mentioned being a D1 athlete, playing D1 sports, and then you got into surfing. What is? What's? A, give us a little bit about your your background, your athletic background, Danielle, about how you got down, started going down this journey, and how you started, you know, studying high performance. What? How did you? What sport did you play growing up? And at what point did you transition into surfing? I surfed since I was seven. So I would say surfing is where I really found my confidence. I started playing Little League. I had a coach that would pick me every year. And I remember asking him, um, Bruce Whitaker, and I asked him one time, like, why do you pick me on your team every time? And he's like, because you have a cannon, you're coachable, and you're confident. You just come out here and you just do things. And when he said those things to me, he said them to me at a time, I think, without realizing it, but looking back, it was so important and so pivotal. because. Because the actions matched the words, I was on his team every time, and he had he defined it for me. I was like, I can do anything. I can do anything. I was starting center field on the Little League team all the way up through Pony League and then was kind of forced to play softball in high school. And um, I made um, the varsity team as a freshman right away. Um, I was California State Athlete of the Year. I was surfing on the surf team, competing in surfing at a really young age, my first competition when I was 10 years old. And I was like, I want to be a pro surfer. I want to be like Tom Curran, Martin Potter, I want to be like those guys. I'm a, I can do that. doesn't matter. My coach, my literally coach said I could. And I didn't let anything get in my way of that. The drive I had pushed through any adversities that I was having as a child, you know, with my parents or without the parents. And um, I went through um, a lot of adversity in high school. I had a, um, a moment where, you know, I, I didn't have a place to live and was hiding that, um, hiding what was on the inside and just really excelling on the outside. So people just thought, you know, her life must be perfect. She's the best athlete. She gets good grades. I was kind of that extroverted introvert at times. Like nobody really knew what my circumstances were, except maybe a couple people. And, um, after high school, I went pro and surfing right away. I had sponsors paying me. Um, I did the surfing magazine swimsuit edition. And then my modeling career took off. I got a TV show. I was doing a sports television show modeling. And inside I was like, how did I get overseen for scholarships in college? Like I, I really wanted that. And the crazy thing is, is like long story short, I was working on my TV show and went and covered a combine at UCLA for the boys. And they went really well. They called back and said, can she come cover it for the girls? And I really didn't want to. I remember feeling jealous and just like, how come that didn't happen for me? I had good grades, best athlete in California, all-star team, all conferences, softball, best batting average in a country. And I don't have a scholarship. I didn't realize at the recruiting letters I was getting, I didn't have to pay for. They were going to bring me to meet me at the school. I didn't know. I didn't have anybody telling me, guiding me. Counselors never thought to maybe call me in the office when they saw these notes coming in or help me. I think people just assumed because I just acted like everything was okay all the time. And so getting into UCLA, kind of, I went in the back door. Sorry, my dog. I went in the back door and kind of came out the front. It was one of the greatest um, experiences of my life to this day. Um, something I'm so proud of, um, playing for Sue Inquist and Kelly May and being around Lisa Fernandez and just a group of just amazing women. I'm sure they were like, where in the heck did this girl come from? 
because I had taken some time off out of softball. Obviously I wasn't playing like those girls. And, um, and you know, I was, I was just focused. I was just focused on, um, on just going to UCLA. I couldn't believe it. I did. I never thought good. I never felt good enough. I never felt like I was somebody that would belong there. I was working on a TV show and I would, I traded it all in to go there talk to my surf sponsors. They're like, yeah, we support that. We think that's great. So I paid for, they didn't have any more scholarships. I paid for every dollar just with my willing and my surfing. And then, um, graduated UCLA was super proud of that. I actually wrote a book called true from the inside out. And my favorite chapter in there, um, is called daughter of Westwood. And it Mm. talks about kind of my journey to UCLA and how that all happened. And so I tell kids like this, you know, the pressures they have with the scholarships and the commits and all this stuff. End of the day, I just say, gosh, you know what? If you want it bad enough, you can get it. It might not look like what you think it's supposed to look like. But if that happened to me and I could do that from where I came from, then I believe anybody can do it if they want it. I just, I just believe in, in the, in the spirit and the human will that we're capable of so much more than, than people ever realize and even ourselves. So I graduated from UCLA. I met my kid's dad um, shortly after I was modeling, working in LA, um, working for Fox Sports, getting ready to sign kind of some contracts to make the major leagues of my career. And um, I met the kid's dad. We got pregnant with my first son and we moved to San Diego. I started training jujitsu and kind of felt a little bit out of my element down here in San Diego and, um, and surfed, care of the kids, traveled um, with the baseball lifestyle and um, started competing in jujitsu and just kind of put all my, my stuff into that, into the sports. You know, I had the formula of how to be the best. And I, I said, Hey, what do you guys have in the sport? Like, is there championships? Is there comp? They're like, Oh yeah, there's a whole thing. I'm like, done. I, can you guys train me to be a world champion? I know they laughed at me. I know they were like, yeah, okay. I'm sure lots of people walk in and say that, but I did it. Um, and I did it um, a couple multiple times. I did the Pan Americans. I, I competed in nationals, competed in Europe, you know, um, fighting was a different mindset. It was, um, I, I realized, you know, I had that in me, just in my spirit, in terms of being a survivor, not fighting from that aggressive place, but fighting through life and that survival mode. And I just pulled from all the things I'd always pulled from to, to do great things and just con- continue plugging it in there. Hard work, a process, respecting it. So then I started doing, you know, protection stuff, self-defense stuff, getting asked to come speak to Girl Scouts, schools. And I'm kind of like, okay, you know, it's funny, like we don't always know our purpose and sometimes our purpose comes to us and you have to be listening and willing and not afraid. And even if you are afraid, just be willing to take that risk and, and, and listen because the universe will keep telling you things or dropping you on your head. One or the other, if you're not listening. Well, so let me ask I, you this. If, sorry, if I can right. cut in for a second, because, Please. you know, one of the things I wanted, wanted to, to get from you, you, you know, seeing that you've achieved a high level in different sports, you know, surfing, softball, jujitsu, jiu-jitsu, there's always a, there's a fundamental movement skill in there. But what I'm more interested in is when I talk to a high, high achiever like yourself, is how do you, I mean, do you set goals? How do you, how do you go about saying, okay, I'm learning jujitsu. I don't want to just take jujitsu. I want to be the best. You know, how do you, I mean, what's your, what's your goal setting process for being able to go down that road that you end up winning, you know, winning these titles? Well, results come to you. People that play for a result are like playing to the expectation. You have to really fall in love with what you're doing in the process and be fascinated 
by the techniques, be fascinated by why this works. Just the, the fact that technique and leverage could beat strength, I was like, wow, show me. Pr- let me prove it. Let me like pick the biggest, giantest guy, strongest guy in the class and be partners with him. I learned quickly that's not the smartest way to go about training and getting ready for anything. But <laughs> I also, <laughs> I was like, I want to see me get him off me. They say it can be done. They say doing this does that. The confidence that gave me to go out and, and take somebody who has been assaulted, raped, um, knocked down, kids got on top of you, to be able to say, do this, and you can get them off of you and get away. That empowered my heart. And, and it's like, I can't not share this. I can't not put this out there. I can't, if, if I be the best and I'm building a platform to be able to share that and they're going to listen. And so me going out and fighting, it's not, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm better when I'm a part of something bigger than myself. The four letters across this, you see like, like they will always be a part of my chest. I'm never not going to be proud of that. And I'm never not going to want to be my best person and be one of the best pieces of pie that ever came out of there. Like I'm representing that at all times being, being and having a black belt is I'm a white belt who didn't give up, but it's not just that it's being the black belt on the inside. What am I going to do with this black belt? It's not about me. It's not about winning a stupid medal and and proving that you're whatever you are. Like, I really don't care about that. If people look at that and they respect it, they know I started something and, and finished it and, and I'm just getting started. They know that I know a thing or two. And, and they'll listen. Little girls like love when you show up in your gi or I go speak at a school and they see you in your gi with your black belt and they're like, wow. And, and you get their attention. Now what you say and how you say it, how you define it, how it lands on them, what comes out of your mouth, what comes from your heart out of your mouth is really what's most important. And, you know, even with the athletes I work with, taking the athlete mindset, which is an honor and a privilege, and I remind them of that, the fighter mindset, the, the competitive fierce, ferocious mindset that flips the switch when it's time to compete. I'm not making friends, you know, like I'm, I'm saying all kinds, I'm, I'm saying whatever it takes in my own life to, to get through you. And I am not friendly about it, but then off the mat, I'm a businesswoman. Like that's just how it's going to be. So it's like taking all those things and, and the mother mindset, that nurturing, compassionate mindset and marrying those things together has put me where I'm at. And understanding, I spent, I was on Discovery Channel and I spent a month out in the British Columbian wilderness, basically starving, like being set up to fail and, and not quit. And I realize you learn a lot about yourself when it's freezing and it's 10 degrees at night and you can't lay down because the ground will suck the heat out of you and you'll die. And keeping a fire going and starting a fire with your bare hands and getting water and boiling it to drink it and not knowing a dang thing about survival skills except what I'd been through in my everyday life and then taking them and applying them in like, hey, you're in the middle of the wilderness. There's wolves. There's bears. This is real. It's real life. Well, what was realize, the Cha- Sorry, what was the Discovery Channel show? I mean, I didn't realize it's you'd called been, uh... um, the Ultimate Ninja Challenge. It's on. You can get it. Um, you can download it off the Discovery app now because it already showed. But it's like that experience for me. Um, it, what did it do? In, in so many words, it it showed me the power of the human will, even beyond what I thought it was. Um, and it showed me the human frailty how quickly you see these people, these kids committing suicide, giving up. I learned, you know, I don't have quit my fabric. I don't know that that's the smartest thing in the world because there's times out there. I'm like, I have two little boys. Like, number one, I'm not going to quit because they're going to give me, you know, crap the rest of my life. (laughs) But I also, you know, there was moments, I mean, I lost 22 pounds off my frame and I'm skinny and lean and I didn't have that to lose. Your body's dying. 
your mind, you have no sleep for four days, no food, had 2,000 calories in 28 days. Like, it's not a joke. And it, it, it just, I came home and I'm like, okay, I took 28 days away from my kids and, and what am I going to bring back? And I'm showing these kids that are giving up every day, 16 kids a day committing suicide. I didn't even know what suicide was at that age. Like people, the mindset is everything. Mental health is everything. And there's a difference between mental health and mindset. There is. But it's like, well, we have a choice how we react. We have a choice. Things can happen. Yes, we can be victim to things, but you don't need to play the victim. And, you know, in, in baseball and in sports, there's no greater honor than to be an athlete. And, and I remind these people of this and, and having the mindset and just making choices, different choices, making decisions. I have some people that come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm like, are you somebody who like will ask everyone else where you want to eat? They're like, I don't know where I want my hands when I'm hitting or I don't know this or I don't know. I'm like, make some decisions. And you just realize their weakness is making decisions. And it's affecting their performance because it's just a basic weakness they have that nobody else saw they had. But when you ask questions and you hear their highs and you hear their lows, we all have them. We're all human beings. But people are so afraid to be vulnerable. And, and I don't blame them. People attack vulnerability. There are people out there. So you got to have thick skin, but you have to be like, guess what? I live one time that I know of. I am here. I have a choice who and what I'm, I want to be. What, how am I going to shape the space I move through? How, what, what influences I'm going to leave with my kids? What are they going to think and say of me? What, what, how do I leave people feeling? If you have gifts, if you have something to share that improves the lives of somebody else, especially kids, and you don't give it, shame on you because you're worried about what people think. Life's not Instagram. Life is not fucking Instagram. That's the perfect opportunity for this little break. I, I mentioned at the beginning I was recording this on my phone, so right here is when I got a phone call. But she's absolutely right. Life is not freaking Instagram. You know, we, we try to portray these, these great things. However, if you do like Instagram, if you do follow Instagram, check out my Instagram channel, Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. I put a lot of content up there that you might find helpful and useful. A lot of workouts, a lot of exercise ideas. You can also check out my YouTube channel or the All About Fitness Podcast YouTube channel. There are a number of workouts up there right now. If you are looking for ideas about what to do in the gym, for things that you need to do or things ideas of what you can do, Check out the All About Fitness podcast channel on YouTube. And don't forget, you can always pick up a copy of Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. Links to all these things are down below in the show notes. And with that, that was the end of the phone call. And Danielle and I get right back to the conversation right here. You know, the funny thing is when we met Danielle, you know, we met briefly, I guess, like, you know, uh, very, briefly. At, at, very briefly at a sporting match. I put you on. I didn't didn't know your background at all, and and I thought you might have been a cop, might have been in law enforcement, um, just because of, of your physical stature and your confidence, which is like you know it's like okay you know, um, or I thought maybe you were a strength coach, you know, you know working in the, in the rugby community, and and then it was like I realized that you were the the performance coach or the mental coach that Bobby had talked about, you know, the, the one of the things I wanted to ask you was, and and you kind of alluded to it earlier, but what is the difference between that one percent? who achieves at the highest level and those guys that just like the pitchers, like, okay, I'm in the pros. It's good enough. I'm just going to play Fortnite as opposed to that guy who wants to be the best. How, how does somebody you know, get to be that 1% at the top of their sport or the top of their craft? I think, um, I think there's some people that are born with it. Look at Kobe Bryant. 
Look at look at look just look at the way he moves. Talk, look at Kelly Slater. Look at Mike Trout. Look at look at Nanu Ma. Look at these guys. Like their humility, their their ability to go. I'm a sweet, nice guy off the field, and on the field, get out of my way. Like I'm not playing games. They have the ability and the awareness, situational awareness. They have. They're not afraid to listen to the intuition and move on it. I think in sports now, you've got to know when technology ends. You've got to know where it ends. We can all go type emails on our computer, but there's something different about writing a letter and feeling the paper. And, you know, there's greats. Look at Barry Bonds. Look at, look at some of these people. And when you talk to them and you meet them, they're fascinating. They're not always the loudest people. They're watching. They're learning. They're taking information in. People that see that, they all want to be like that. Watch what they do. Every, we all can identify and relate, but the difference is, is they go do it. They're not trying. A lot of people are like, well, I'm going to try that. I'm like, don't try it. Do it. Do it. I was out on the rugby um, field the other day. One of them was like, what do you do when you get tired and you're running like this? I go, what do you mean? Like mentally, what do you say to yourself? I go, I set up, I set up a personal challenge. There's games within the game. There's so many games within the game. If you can reset on every play and put the same intensity and not just be making plays, but make the play, execute the play, there's a difference. A pitcher throwing no batter. What's your job? Throwing no batters. No, what's your job? Dude, your job's to execute pitches one at a time. Do you know the pitches? Have you, have you picked everyone apart? Do you know where they're going to go? Have you worked on that? What's your intentions when you're working out, when you're warming up? Are you just throwing balls? Because those are opportunities to be getting better with those particular pitches. Now you get on the mound and comment. Are you the predator or are you the prey? Like when you start talking to these guys, they're like, oh, I'll tell you something about these guys. Once they know it and they're at that level, they don't unknow it. Sometimes they drop the tool and I go, hey, what's going on? Why are we 0 for 12? These are not pitchers that ate you alive last year. What's the deal? Oh, well, this, I said, you become the prey. You've become the prey. That's what I see. Mm. And right there, they're like, oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, I, I cut this corner. Okay, perfect. Let's pick that back up, go out and try this. And give them a different challenge. My job is to get them and get their mind to task. Put your mind on a test. Like I had a kid call me yesterday. Danielle, I, I have 3-1, and I, and I don't want to walk the guy. I, and it's just happening again, and it's like, it's making me remember last year, and I'm having a hard time. I'm like, okay. So I can't tell people. I don't like when people are like, don't feel that way. Go be aggressive. Let's be an aggressive hitter. Go be into, bring the intensity. These coaches say these things, and these kids have no idea what you're saying, how to do that. So what do they do? They nod, and they smile, and they, get, they do a cheer, and they round to their position, and they're literally out there going, oh, my gosh, now I feel worse because I, I want to be that. I don't know how to be that. So it's like replace the feelings, replace the what not to do's, with the two, what to do. But the, the coaches, if you're a great coach, you'll give them what to do. You'll well, tell them. Sorry, let me ask you this to, to cut in, but how important is it? And this is for, is it for everybody. I think a lot of us get caught up on what we may not have done well or what may have happened last time. How important is it to forget that last rep, to forget that last pitch, and to focus on the moment and to focus on what you can affect right now? Well, I'll tell you, it, it's, it's not forget it. It's replace it. So they say add addiction, right? You can't just tell someone to stop being addicted. You can replace that addiction with a healthier addiction, and then you can start doing that. 
You know, you can start doing that. People, people that have addictive personalities can be, could become addicted to something else. I was working with a celebrity and I was teaching her jujitsu. She was, she's an addict. She's addicted to an alcohol. She replaced that with jujitsu and was obsessed with the fighting and punching and striking and jujitsu and being that, being that fighter. She was fighting a different battle by replacing it with a healthy, a healthy battle instead of just sitting around just people telling not to be an addict. So, you know, it's the same with an athlete. If I'm thinking about what not to do, that's probably what's going to happen because that's what I'm filling my brain with. My brain now is sending signals out to the body. If I can say, okay, reset, take a minute. If I'm a pitcher, step down, step off, take a breath. Nobody's yelling at you going, pitch the damn ball. Take a minute. 3-1, I know I've made three mistakes. Why aren't I fixing them? Why am I rushing? Take a breath, find my breath, step off and replace it with what am I going to do with my job to execute pitches? What pitch am I going to throw? Make decisions. Now my brain is going into a positive place. I'm giving myself, doesn't mean I'm going to succeed. Doesn't mean I'm not going to walk him. But I'm giving myself mentally the best probability to succeed there. To either like get the guy to swing, throw a ball that he can hit and let the defense handle it. That's better than giving him the base. So it doesn't mean, isn't it? It doesn't guarantee you the perfect outcome, but you're setting yourself up. To, and I don't look at it as like, let's maximize. Yes, let's maximize. But you can't beat that horse the whole time because if you're, if you're inconsistent somewhere, then your game's not going to be sustainable on a consistent level. And usually in post sports, that means somebody else is going to have your job soon. So let's look at where we can minimize failure. Where can we minimize these things? Like rugby, they can't, they can't have too many penalties. You can lose games by getting penalties. But we can't tell guys, don't try to get penalties. Give them what they can do. What can we be thinking about? How can we still be aggressive and be you know, coming in hard and fast like we're known for, but not get the penalties? How can I be out there and be the most effective pitcher and not walk guys and not have guys running on me? You know, there's a lot of factors in play, but it starts with the mental mindset of this is how it's going to be. If, if they approach it this way and they practice it and they rewire their brain to go to the solution rather than what not to do, what not to feel. Hey, don't feel like that, man. Look at you. I do feel if somebody dies in your life, it's like, hey, it's okay. That's part of life. Don't feel that way. Come on. We're all, if you lose someone you love for me, I don't tell people, grief is going to be there. It changes shape. So what are we doing? We're changing the shape of our thoughts. I feel this way. I don't like to fit an athlete. I flipping hate it. I hate losing. I've lost three fights in a row. I think that doesn't mess with me mentally. But instead of worrying about what it's messing with, I got to go and fix what like, I can do. What do I have control over? My attitude, my efforts. Let me put in three good months of amazing training. At this level, if I make a mistake, she's going to beat me. I know that. But I know if she makes a mistake or I get ahead of her or whatever, it could be me. At this level, I accept that. But what the, 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 the pro, it's not the fight that matters to me as much as my preparation and what I've done and giving myself the best possible chance to succeed. That's confidence. Well, it, well the question I was going to ask, and that's exactly it, it's the preparation because in my observation, the best individuals in any, whether it's a sport, whether it's giving a presentation, whether it's doing a comedy routine, are the people who prepare, you know, and I think that, you know, as a coach, as a youth coach myself, I try to preach that to the kids. It's not what you just do on the field. It's what you do off the field to prepare. How, how important is that preparation? Because I think a lot of people overlook that. They see the end result. They see the, the, the speaker giving the speech. They see the actor giving the performance. They see the athlete, you know, making, you know, winning the game. 
how important is the preparation process? And I know it's individual to each person, but I think a lot of people just overlook that and they go, they don't think about the, the steps it takes to get ready to do what they need to do. People want the result. People want immediate gratification. Everybody does. They want it done now. That's the world we live in. So the old school traditional way, is, you know, it, it, it can't be forgotten. There's records that have never been broken from old schoolers that obviously the new school, all the technology, the immediate gratification, this guy better overnight. There's so much expectation. It's got to go back to standards. Who are you? Who are you as an athlete? What kind of student are you? What kind of son or daughter are you? What kind of friend are you? Are you a committed person or not? Who are you? Do you know who you are? What do, who are you when that jersey comes off? Who will you be once that jersey comes off? Will your family be attacked? What kind of husband are you? It's like, it's standards. We have standards of how we're going to go about things. And when people start saying, this is who I am, and when you go out and you have a coach going, I don't know about this guy, they're like, I don't care what you think. I'm going to play to my standard all day long. I make the decisions. This is, you got to, people are so used to like, oh, it's softer now. That's, that's the bottom line. People get offended. So people don't say stuff. They don't stop and grab them. Hey, knock it off. You have the choice, dude. You have a well, choice. How important is that candid feedback? Because that's the one thing about boards that that's rarely, you know, you get the feedback, you know, I mean, you know, whether you, you, you know, whether you're, you're better than your opponent or not. And I think to your point, Danielle, I think a lot of people are afraid to either give or receive candid feedback. I know as a speaker myself, I'd love seeing the negative feedback because that's a chance to improve. If I don't understand what, but, but that, that, that candid feedback, when I am told, directly I, I like it when i'm told directly this this was not good enough this is what i need to do to get better so it's like thank you you know i mean how important is that candid feedback and why should we not fear it but people dilute the truth out of fear of offending and i always tell people guess what i'll probably offend you but if you know someone who died from being offended please let me know because i will be the first i've ever heard of that <laughs> like i want i want honesty too but you got to remember there's people out there that are insecure in powerful positions like coaching and they themselves don't have the experience or the security to speak to you with any type of educated response or non-emotional response to what you're doing. I see it in the big leagues all the time. So it's like, if that's happening there and I know what's happening on the high school level and even the college level, it's absolutely pathetic. So people stepping out and going, this is my life. This is my high school career. This is my college career. This is my business. I have a family, and this is my sporting career, or even executives or whatever. You've got to take accountability for yourself. Everybody wants to point a finger. Everybody wants to blame. Everybody wants to do this. Like, oh, well, I want people. People do. They want the truth. Not everybody can handle it. One percenter wants the truth. That mindset wants the truth. They want to know. They want to pick out their weaknesses. They want to attack. They become hungry for it. Once they start seeing the results coming to them, if you're an injured pitcher, you see these guys get back on the mound, I need to throw hard again. Hey, slow your roll. Because if you go and reach for 91 or 92, you're going to get hurt again. Is that what you want? Your velocity is going to come. Stay in your step and trust. People don't have the trust. It comes back down to the honesty, to trusting, and to understanding who what your standard is. It goes back to that every time. When somebody's doing something in the box, I'm like, dude, play to your standard. And you fall down. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I feel lost. What's your standard? You don't get lost. I play to that. Okay, you're right. I'm, I have a center. I go back to my foundation. I do want the positive feedback. But I also want, like, 
But guess what? I'll tell you something. We know a lot of times if we stop and we and we're we can be comfortably uncomfortable to sit in our own skin and go, I suck right now. Where am I sucking? Why am I sucking? If you sit in that discomfort long enough, the answers are going to come to you. You don't need the outside person going, hey, by the way, because half the time that person hasn't even done what you're doing at your level. And if they have, they're going to have an educated conversation with you with the truth attached to it, not the emotional comments, assumptions. You're feeling this way. Don't feel that way. How about coaches that go out and tell a batter, hey, let's, I, I go, what are you thinking when you're getting the ball? Oh, hit the ball hard. I said, really? Hit the ball hard. Okay. <laughs> well, how is yeah. that actionable? Because let me tell you something, as a hitter, if I go in there and you tell me to hit the ball soft, I'm going to have a lot harder time doing that than hitting the ball hard. So you've got to remember, like, the language that's being used and out there. It's just these kids and people, they're not getting the truth. And a lot of them that do get it, they can't handle it. The minute they can't handle it, they cry. Coaches have to have the thick skin and go, I don't care. I love you guys. I'm here for you guys. And I'm going to fight for you guys. And if I have to fight you for you sometimes, that's what I'm going to do. A lot of coaches don't. Teachers don't. Teachers sit on Facebook. You know, I've, ha- I've done assemblies watching teachers against the wall do- on Facebook, not even trying to learn what I'm bringing there to even go back and have the conversation with the kids. Wow. I- I've gone to schools and kids are like, I-, I said, if you're hungry and you don't have mom or dad at home or something's going on, go to the, go to the office and ask the counselor to get-, to get you food. We don't know who the counselor is. I said, I'll turn around and tell the administration. I know they didn't hire me to do that, but I'll do it because I'm there for the kids. When I coach, I'm there for the kids. When I'm doing mental skills, I'm there for the athletes. I hear the parents. People try to invade that space and come into that space and own that space all the time. It comes from insecurity. It comes from frustration sometimes because the parents are dealing with coaches that don't know what they're doing. Player development, some of the best coaches I've seen. There's a coach up in Northern Cal um, coaching St. Mary's, coach, coach Greg Moore. He's brilliant. He gets it. He understands the player development. He understands that it's about the person, not just the performance of that player. If you can, if you can get in and reach the person and help the person be a better person, better people make better players. Better players show up and they make a better team. That's building a culture. The culture, just like hitting, is built from the ground up. Rugby is the same. I love the rugby mindset. It is aggressive. It is intense. But don't think these guys, when they take their jerseys off, aren't don't have issues, don't have things going on, don't get anxieties. It's being in pro sports is rough. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things that you're not allowed to deal with. But guess what? If you're willing to deal with them and you're willing and you're getting the right information and you're getting honest truths and you're getting the how to, you will show up and be a better player. You will show up and give people like team before self. Let's go. Guess what? On the airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first for a reason. I used to not believe in that. I'm like, if I have a kid, I'm not, I'm putting my, I'm not putting my mask on first. Sorry. I get pissed at that. I had two kids. I was like, wait a second. If I put my mask on, I can save both mine and I'll probably save five other people's kids because I know me. But before I didn't buy into that, I didn't understand. Fix me. Love me. Have self-worth for me. Have confidence in me. Do I even know what that is? I didn't for a long time. Because I was a good athlete didn't make me confident. I, I was fighting from a different place. I was competing from a different place. I, I had a lot of adversity, and I took it all out in sports. Thank God I had that, because I don't know where I'd be. An intern well, of drugs. I never tried a cigarette. I didn't make excuses, and that's how I was born. I, I feel lucky and blessed for that, but not everybody's that way. Well, I was going to ask. The, the question is, is, how important is it? 
because I think you're right, Danielle. I think a lot of people do have a hard time. They think, well, I need to do this for my family. I need to do this for work. I need to do this for my team. How important is it to be a little bit selfish and, and put and then say, hey, I need to take care of me? I call it healthy selfish. So I tell my players that all the time. I tell especially pro athletes, I'm like, healthy selfish. And they're like, well, I don't like that. I said, I don't like it either. But if you don't do it, this is the first step. Healthy selfish. Worry about you. Fix you. Dig in. Find your weaknesses. Attack those. You've got a lot of work to do before you start worrying about other things. Because in, in honesty and in truth, what benefits you, can we agree it's going to benefit your team? If it benefits you and you're better and you're healthier and you're clearer, your performance is better, stronger, more consistent, doesn't that benefit it? It sure does. It sure does. It can benefit a family. Yeah, it can benefit. And and that's what people don't understand is, is hey, I need to sometimes do that. Well, I need to to respect your time here and start wrapping up. But, you know, one thing I want to bring back to you, and this we we kind of were talking a little bit before I hit the record button, but you recently had uh, your son, and again, congratulations, um, commit to playing baseball at UCLA. How, what's that feel like as a parent? Number one, you're you're an alum, an alumni of uh, UCLA. How, you know, so I'm sure that feels great on that level. But how, how does that feel as a parent to have seen your kid reach that milestone? And, and how tough was it for you, you know, being the, the individual you are, how tough it for, for, was it for you to kind of step back a little bit and let him have some of his own experiences where he had to go through that growth to get there? My gosh, that's a great question. Um, first of all, you know, his dad was a pro athlete and, and our athletic background you know, it was very, even more important for me to step back. I think I see a lot of parents make the mistake, and I've had the, you know, kind of the advantage of watching parents make the mistake, shoving and pushing and pressuring their kids, D1, D1, that. And I love a parent wants what's best for their kids. But unless you play D1 and been at college at D1, you got to know that you really got to want it for yourself. We all want more for our kids than they want for ourselves. You know, we do as parents, and, and we can't we got to be careful to be aware of that because pushing, pressuring, even though we're looking out for their best interests, might not be their journey. So with my boys, I, I don't know what their journey is. I just wanted them. I want to subject them to all the things that I love and do and give them the opportunity to do it and provide that space and environment for them that's healthy, that I feel like I want, you know, they're born. They're, they're athletes. They don't have a choice. But have the athlete inside not be an athlete. So it's very important for me to back off, and I did. Watching him um, go through this journey was stressful for him. He had a lot of offers. He had 41 schools interested in him. He has amazing grades. Um, he's had his own adversity with, you know, the situation at home. And watching how he's chosen to react to, um, made me very proud. I still stood by and just watched him. And to, to see him navigate talking to the coaches, taking visits, and inevitably making a choice on his own. He actually committed when I wasn't at home. He didn't even include me in it. Hey, mom, yeah, I, I'm going to, you know, I think he was going to Gonzaga the next morning for a visit and leaning towards, um, you know, he was really liking St. Mary's, loved the coach, the coach I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, just incredible opportunities he had. High class <laughs> world problems, and he was stressed out over it. And I said, hey, all I'm going to say is this is all goodness happening. And they're sending their best out there to talk to you, and they're gonna they're gonna try to sail you into their school best they can because they see the kind of person you are, and that's a good thing. It's a great compliment. I know you're stressed, but just take it and try. You don't have to choose right now. 
you're going to have time. And then, you know, he made the choice. And, it, you know, being UCLA, of course, it warmed my heart. But UCLA was a very different experience, journey. Everything getting there was different for me. And, you know, of course, I know he's going to love it. The school is brilliant, amazing. It's just a great community to be a part of. But any of the schools that he chose, he couldn't have gone wrong. So I was excited for maybe a different journey to be a part of that and watch him go through it. But I couldn't be more proud. I do understand the work he has ahead. I know they don't. <laughs> you yeah. try not to scare them and discourage them. You just try to help prepare them best you can. But I'm very hands-off unless he's like, Mom, can you hit me some grounders? Mom, can you throw to me? Mom, can you come do this with me? I'm here. And I, and I, you know, another thing, people are like, your kid must be the most mentally sound kid. No, it's the opposite. Um, actually, stand back unless he asks me because our kids, yours included, your little girls, they're going to have a lot of coaches in their life. They're going to have one mom. They're going to have one dad. And I got, I have to fight to stay as the mother. I'm mom. I don't want to dilute myself with all these other hats, even though he knows, he sees me, he hears me working. And, and he, you know, some of the big leaguers I work with, he's enamored by, he loves them. And anytime I talk to them, I know he hears it and it's landing on him. But I'm mom. I'm mom to these kids and they need me to be mom. So, you know, only recently was I like, hey, buddy, I, I couldn't, he's going some stuff with baseball. And I said, hey, um, I feel bad if I have the ability to help you, and I'm not. And I just want you to know I'm just trying to be mom. But if you want to sit down with Cody one of these days, <laughs> you let me know, and mom will leave the table. Because I do have a thing that might just help you get a little more organized, and then you can take it from there. And if you have questions, I'm here. But I just want you to know I'm never going to push in on your space and try to know more, be more, do anything. He's like, no, mom, actually, I really was going to ask you. And that, you know, that's that balance. And I think I'm trying to find it if I can, but it is so important that we let these kids have the space, feel love, feel peace, feel secure, but let them fall down because guess what? They don't know how to be resilient. We want our kids to be resilient. Oh, understand adversity. You want them to have all this muscle, but if you don't let them work it out, they're not going to gain that muscle. Like fall down, let them fall down, let them fail. You're right there. You're not going to, you know, let them die or, you know, have mental breakdowns. And even if they do, you're right there. We're not always going to be here. I want my boys to know how to be men one day and to help their little girl or their little boy up one day. How are they going to know how to do that if we don't let them fall down and learn? So wow. I've watched him trip over himself a few times quite a bit in the last quite a few months for a lot of different reasons. And, it, of course, it breaks my heart. But I'm right here. And I watch him get up. And then I dust him off and I go over and hug him and kiss him like a mom should and tell him I'm right here and I love him and I support him. If there's anything I can do, I'm here. But this world is so, like, doesn't let them fall, doesn't want them to fall. When a coach lets them have it, the coach is getting ripped up from the parent. Don't talk to my kid like that. And it's like, you know, it's, it's so important. I just, if I could encourage parents, kid might not be a D1 kid. Still love him, support him, let him know D2 is great, D3, JUCOs are awesome. You can transfer anywhere you want to go. Let your kid find where he wants to go because the worst thing you could ever do is set your kid up to fail because of your expectations, and they're trying to meet your expectations. They're not living their own standards. They're not even learning how to build them. It's a big deal. That's what gets kids to fail. That's what gets kids wanting to commit suicide in this world where it's glorified and all over everywhere. Protect them from that by letting them fall down. And loving them when they're down. That's I mean, that's such an important message. And what I, you know, I hate to cut this off, but wow, I mean, this is 
you know, cause I know you're, I mean, you're obviously passionate about this. I, you know, but I want to wrap, you know, respect your time and wrap it up. How can people get more information about you? Cause I've only been following your, uh, your Instagram feed for a little while, Danielle. And, and in talking with you, it just, I'm, I'm motivated. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, maybe I need to <laughs> sit down and have an appointment with coach D and, and figure out what, what you know, kind of way to sit through my performance. But how can you, where can people get more information and, and find out about the, the stuff you're doing and, and the work that you're doing? Well, I've got a few different things in works. You know, my stuff, I'm busy with work, so I'm not good at the whole tech thing and promoting myself. But I have trueboundaries.com. Um, it's, it's got more of my personal protection kind of route there. You can contact me through there. Um, I have True Boundaries on Instagram and also Official Danielle Martin on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty easily ac- accessible there. Um, people can contact you to get directly to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, whatever I can do, I, I love to do. Um, I know that's my purpose. I know that's why I'm here. My whole goal is to leave this world a better place, better than when I came into it, and to make sure my boys grow into men that want to do the same. And that's the best I can do. You know, I don't know everything. I'm all, I tell my guys, the, the most important answer you might get from me sometimes, I don't know. But you better believe I'll call someone who does, and I'll get back to you on it <laughs> and do what I can. But is, I love what is. I do. I appreciate um, your time and you having me and allowing me to share anything that hopefully lands on a parent or somebody out there that wakes up that, you know, beast in them that says, I want to go out and, you know, be that beast on the field, be the businessman or woman off that field or court or out of the water or off, you know, whatever you're playing on, wherever your platform is. But I can tell you sports are not your purpose. Sports are a beautiful platform to, Build that platform so that when you find your purpose, you have you can deliver it off of there, and it's the greatest honor. And, it, and it's an honor talking to you and have you even acknowledge anything I do. I'm humbled by it, and, and I'm grateful. So thank you. Well, thank you for your time, Danielle. I appreciate it. As you can tell, that was a, that was a really fun conversation. It's fascinating. Was someone who works in, in the high performance community. You know, she works with a number of teams. You know, right now, as I record this, you know, San Diego, the San Diego Legion of, of Major League Rugby are 3-0. and They've won all three of the professional rugby matches. She works with professional baseball players. She works with with a number of, of individuals in all different walks. And if you think you could you could use a performance coach, if you think you could use somebody to kind of help you get that extra edge or to try to find that way just to, to, to do that extra 1%, check out her website, trueboundaries.com. I highly recommend it. I mean, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is meeting fascinating people, making new friends, and be able to learn from the conversations. Hopefully, you got a lot out of this episode. If you want to check out, learn content, or, or pick up new exercise content, check out my blog. I've been updating it, been adding new stuff to it, PeteMcCallFitness.com. You can follow me on Instagram, PeteMcCall underscore fitness, and check out the All About Fitness podcast on the YouTube channel. Or all, You can check out the YouTube channel, the All About Fitness podcast, where I'm throwing up a lot of exercise ideas and workout ideas. Hey, thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.